0: I have so much love to give to two things in my life. One of them is the Between the wisdom
1: passed down by ancient healing traditions, anecdotal experience, and modern clinical trials, one thing is clear. Mushrooms are medicinal powerhouses. And I finally found a brand, a product, a company that I feel really aligns with all of my research and understanding when it comes to the medicinal properties of mushrooms, and that is Alchemy Mushrooms. They grow their mushrooms in California on organic mushroom farms. They keep the whole mushroom in their supplements, and they actually blend mycelium and fruit body in their mushroom powders and capsules to give you the best of both worlds. You can learn more at Alchemy Mushrooms. That's A-L-C-H-E-M-I, alchemymushrooms.com. Use the discount code MUSHROOMHOUR for 20% off your order. Alchemy with an I, Mushrooms.com.
0: Hi there. Welcome to Mushroom Hour. Today
1: on Mushroom Hour, we're blessed by the presence of Britain's very own Ali McKernan, a self-professed mycophile who is also known as the Fungi Guy on Instagram and YouTube. Ali is a mushroom educator who uses humor and enthusiasm to get the message of the mushrooms to the masses. He was a member of the Education and Outreach Committee for the British Mycological Society and has helped to organize and promote UK Fungus Day, among other outreach programs. Alongside his work with organizations like BMS, Ali makes daft YouTube and Instagram videos that I find hilarious, showcasing his fungal finds and he even organizes fungi ID walks in his local area. I'm excited to learn how Allie became the fungi guy and what it means to him to share his love of mushrooms. Allie, thank you so much for joining us on the Mushroom Hour.
0: No, oh, you who? Hi, it's really, really nice to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm over the moon.
1: Well, I think right before the interview, we were both part of this mutual admiration that we have for each other as Amateurs going on Instagram, sharing our love of mushrooms, getting people inspired, having nothing but our enthusiasm and our love of mushrooms in the woods. So, yeah, it is is great to have a chance to see each other face to face and get a chance to chat with you across the pond here. Uh, And as we jump into all the cool initiatives you're into, outreach, education, I do want to hear a little bit about your life story because you're this funny guy that pops up on Instagram. Everyone loves your videos and your songs and your dances, but I want to know kind of where this fascination started for you. Where where did the obsession for mushrooms and fungi come in?
0: Well, it's it's a good question, of course. And it, it's a shame because I would love to have this wonderful moment to share with you, like a light bulb because I, I came across such a thing. Or this popped up in a garden.
1: Lightning I, struck. Yeah, yeah. And it
0: just doesn't look like that. But I'll tell you the story anyway, because it's so significant. Because, of course, it's the start of my journey. And that was that I, want, I had just some kind of interest. I roughly remember that I thought it would be cool to learn about wild fungi from a foraging perspective, you know, as as in in edibles. Uh, So that was a starting point, as it is for so many. And my wife bought me a voucher to go on a guided walk of a springtime foray, um, which in the UK would not hold that many uh, actual fungi. It was more about general spring edibles, so uh, plants and the likes. And so I went on this guided walk, and the moment I found that first mushroom, I was like, yes, this really works. I loved everything about it. But the mushroom, and of course, I'll always remember what that was, a glistening ink cap, I was just taken with it. And we only found a couple of fungi, but it was all about the tutor. It was the engagement. And that that guy would have to have a mention, and it's right from the off. And that, his name's Jesper Launder, spelt with a J. And he has inspired me from the very beginning because he's an amazing tutor and has taught many, many people about fungi. And on an edibility level, just a, a very similar, enthusiastic, passionate person when you've got that passionate tutor you listen and it overflows and it, and it permeates and I just was overwhelmed by it. So year on year, I would then go to those forays, but actually always forget the plants again and it'll always come back to the fungi. So still now, after doing that several times over several years, I don't remember the edible plants, but it's always about the mushrooms. So that was the start of the journey for me. Yeah, I would just be shown by an educator and then, uh, yeah, I went from there.
1: And there are so many unsung heroes like that, people that are great educators, tutors, mushroom lovers that might not flex on social media uh, or might not have that notoriety, but they're amazing educators and can lead you into this world. And that's one of the reasons I always encourage people when you start this journey, you know, don't look at someone who's miles and miles away from you or across the world necessarily. There might be someone local who's able to lead you into that world of Inspiration and awe that is mushrooms, and then why start sharing this with the world? I mean, you obviously have a charisma, great personality, all that. So maybe it comes naturally. But why the impetus to then share this love of mushrooms with others on social media and everywhere else?
0: Do you know it's funny because only these last couple of years I've wondered that. You know, I've
1: wondered why why am I doing
0: this? You know, the way you, I think it's quite healthy to question yourself and your place in the world and whatever. And why why do I do it? I think there's probably two parts. One is just because, as you would know, and anyone else who's listening who's a a fungi fanatic, just it's hard not to want to tell people about these things. You just feel it's, you know, it feels a little bit like maybe it's the same for people of faith, where they're driven spiritually and they just want to share and say, if you knew about this, you would feel the same as I do. And so I just can't help myself and just want to say, look at this. Look at this. You just walked past. That could improve your day if I could just explain what that is, that you just walked past. (laughs) You know, that kind of thing. So there's the whole passion for what the fungi is. And and in terms of the social media in that, I'm not a massive social media person as as, as a part of a lifestyle. I only use it for fungi. And it was introduced to me in Facebook, and that became a wonderful tool and, and, and community and understanding and helped me grow, of course, as as they do these places, these spaces. But I realized what it did do when I started to get into it and making videos and YouTube and things and Instagram. It's just a great platform for my creativity, I suppose. I really enjoy being creative. And that could be hard, you know. As an adult, suddenly you've got kids and marriage and a job and, you know, the general rat race stuff. And actually that, that degree in art that I've got goes by the sideline and you never quite became that artist that, you know, you got your degree for. But instead I found a way that does it and, and it, it ticks all the boxes so if I can make daft videos and puppets and drawings and illustrations and all those kinds of, and, and yeah, you know, and music is another big love of mine. Fungi, so vast and have such um, – what was the mileage you know so much to go at it's it's a wonderful uh, resource for making any of those things so i've just had a great time just expressing myself i suppose so yeah the perfect platform in that respect
1: and i mean it's the perfect match you know that compulsion to share something that's done so much for you married with platforms that can give you a creative outlet as my wife likes to say we're all artists and our work of art is our life but it helps to find a way to express that a platform or method to express that so you get to find both, and I find a lot of similar bits and pieces through my own story, so I really like hearing that and I know you know as your day job, you are an educator, you work with kids. How has that influenced maybe some of the content you put out, maybe how you share this love of mushrooms, or talk of just about how that that role you take on as an educator and a mentor plays out and interplays in your relationship with spreading the spores about fungi?
0: Hmm, that's a good question, I think if anything, as the way that fungi do, and you, you know, you've had this this uh, metaphor before, it's probably the other way around as much anything where I bring fungi to my job, you know, and I, I just, I love sharing that with children. You know, children are so receptive to, again, that thing we've said, I, I often actually compare children and adults the same. If you've got a passionate person in front of you, there's far more interest for you to respond and engage with that Absolutely. person. And so I have found something that I really care about. I've got a wonderful principal head teacher who supports the work that I do, so on any any given day or when the opportunity arises, I'll try and make fungi part of what I do as my job. So here's an example. Just uh, during the lockdown that we've been going through, a return to school, a uh, whole class had been off uh, for their 10 days, or whatever, their two weeks quarantine period. And when they came, sorry, a boy had been off. And when he came back after his 14 days, his class just got all sent away and he had to join a different class. And he was distraught. He was in tears. And someone just came to grab me because my my role is pastoral. I try and support children who might have some um, behaviour needs or issues or emotionally. And someone grabbed me and said, hey, Ali, go go and have a with this boy. Is there something you can do? And, of course, the first thing I thought was take it to the gardens, you know, an outdoor space. And let's see. And that that, would do the magic for me. So, of course, not just the gardens, so I can point out a little leaf beetle over there. Oh, look at that. What's that by the pond? And we're a very urban area, I should mention, but we're just very lucky to have a very small outdoor space. But, of course, then suddenly... I'm finding St. George's mushrooms and I'm finding ink caps. And <laughs> I said, I tell you what, if we just go And suddenly, you know, I'm enjoying myself as much as this kid. He's got a big smile on his face and he's never forgotten that. And whenever I might bump into him, he's in a year group that I don't spend any time in, you know, he beans and he said, do you remember that mushroom that puffed? Cause we had some earth stars, you know, and just those little moments that suddenly his day turned around and I made that part of something we did to kind of, to help him integrate back into that, that school setting where he was struggling because he was with a class he didn't want to be with. Ultimately he was in distress and fungi in the woods helped him to put him in a good place. And I'm like, yeah, every time. How can it not? you know? And so, yeah, that's one example. And I've done other projects. I've inoculated uh, logs with the children, you know, shiitake and uh, lion's mane and the likes. And um, UK Fungus Day is a big one where I get to, I'm allowed to run riot and teach for a few days, a class, a, a whole day for every class. And 90 children all get to hear about fungi for a full day. And I just absolutely love that. I immerse them in that. and. Yeah, I I bring fungi to my job, certainly, um, in that respect.
1: I think what you're outlining is a dream for a lot of people that, or at least a lot of mushroom lovers, is that education about fungi starts earlier. I mean, it's the goal of organizations and mushroom educators around the world, really, to try to implement some kind of program where you're teaching kids at a younger and younger age to appreciate fungi, to have that same awe, wonder, and inspiration for mushrooms and that story just illustrates that beautifully and why that's so powerful. And like you said, it does the same thing for adults. A lot of us have that same experience as adults. So why not give that to children as well, especially when they're in some kind of situation that it can really give them a boost. Now, UK Fungus Day, that is something that I took notice of just this last year. And I believe you were hosting. And if I'm mixing this up with another event, you can let me know. But I believe you were kind of this host MC role. Roger Phillips was speaking you know tell us what it's been like to be involved with UK fungus day some of the events around britain and then maybe we can push that into a wider conversation about the mycophile community there in mm. the uk
0: yeah uk fungus day's ace because obviously it's the one day dedicated in the uk to fungi here's the interesting thing so it's still not there's a, a fantastic community here and and i won't know the all of it facebook's a great platform for the most sharing I would suggest, and I'm really enjoying, I don't use it as much as maybe I should, but of course, I'm just trying to get a healthy balance. We could be on screens all day long, so Instagram's a general space right. that I enjoy most. Um, but there's some wonderful communities on Facebook and whatnot. But UK Fungus Day doesn't get maybe the it, it's growing, and that's really exciting. So, this was the, probably the biggest and most ambitious it's been. And I was very fortunate to be a part of the outreach committee that helped to design the program this year. And because of lockdown, we were UK Fungus Day would usually be supporting groups leading forays and wildlife groups around the country to lead forays and the likes and little educational talks and putting up stalls around the country. We knew it was going to be an online experience. Now, for me personally, that kind of, it's kind of the opposite of what fungi should be about. And, you know, screens isn't, that it's so the opposite. It's not an engaging tool. Personally, I don't think, you know, it's all about the smells and the touch and the, and the walking through, but nevertheless, so how do we do this? So we managed to create some there's only a small team of us, maybe five or six of us, but they did a wonderful job of pulling together some great speakers. So Merlin Sheldrake spoke for us. We looked at artists having conversations because Merlin's brother Cosmo as well is a musician and artist. We did, I, I did like a, a walk-along foray with me to just have a look what a foray in the woods would look like. I did a lot of the family kind of little features. We did an online, which was quite funny, a garden foray for because you weren't allowed to go out anywhere. But what can you find in your gardens and hold it up to the camera? and Can we do a live ID? Which amazingly, and myself and the, uh, another chap did, we did really well with it. That was because that could have been a, a car crash, could have been a disaster holding up. Yeah, but a great
1: idea. idea. Yeah, oh,
0: it could have been awful. Yeah, there were quizzes, and actually, uh, it was responded to really well. And so, it, it felt like a really bigger deal. Uh, it was better advertised, there was a little bit more design about it. And it, it like most things, marketing, you know. The BMS probably isn't its strongest point, but they're working on that. I think they've just assigned someone to try and look at marketing because, you know, I guess you're only as, as good as your marketing. There could be amazing things going on, but if no one knows about it. So only, what, five years ago, because I've, I've not been doing this that long, fungi, uh, maybe only, I don't know, I'm rubbish at numbers, eight or nine years. When I caught on, I found out about UK Fungus Day, and this, is represent, this, this kind of shows just how not very good we are at, at spreading the message necessarily, but we are improving, I must point that out. There was a competition. I taught it for my first year at school when I got into fungi. I'm like, I've got to teach that day. And I asked permission and I was able to go into all the classes and teach about fungi. And there was a competition and it was just to draw a fungus. So we sent off and it was like, you know, 60 posters sent off. And there were 10 uh, little mini microscopes to win. And we won eight of the 10. Okay. And I'm like, oh, wow, isn't that wonderful? But well, then the ninth winner was my own son because he'd drawn a stink horn. because I got my son to enter it. He's quite a good artist. He said, hey, you've got to draw something. And the only other prize went to a nursery down south somewhere, I think, where one of the teachers had a bit of an interesting fungi. My point being, it was a numbers game. There was nobody else entering. And that's really right. sad. You know, we just didn't know about this. And so it was a numbers game that we should nine out, win nine out of 10 microscopes because no one else was entering. This year alone, we did a competition and we were just trying to be creative. So we said, you know, designed a fantasy fungus. This was for kids of different age groups. We had some nice prizes to go away spawn kits and guidebooks and whatever, all the usual bits and pieces but the teenager section didn't even get enough entries to warrant, you know, for the top prizes. I think maybe I'd won entry. So there's a marketing issue there as well, I think, and and getting the message out there for the youth perhaps. But yeah, UK Fungus Day is, is growing, which is fabulous. And I look forward to seeing what they're doing this year, of course, because uh, I'm not on that committee now. That's something I pulled away from this year. I just found myself, it gave a, a heck of a lot of energy and that's a lovely thing to have done. And I'm really proud of some of the work that happened, but you know, Ultimately, I miss being in the woods, and I spent a lot of time on screens organizing. I'm, I'm not. I've realised, you know, we're learning about ourselves all the time. I'm not a good organizer. I'm rubbish at remembering things. I don't want to sit in front of a screen discussing the things. I need to be out doing the things. So that's that's what my autumn looks like this year. Hopefully, I can lead something towards UK Fungus Day in the live.
1: It's funny you said that because in talking with different mushroom advocacy organisations, that's one of like the key problems is personnel who have this passion for fungi and mushrooms. They don't want to be sitting in front of a computer screen organizing. They're not going to sacrifice their time in the woods to go spread the word. So, you know, maybe it is the kind of thing where people need to tag out, you know, have Ali in there for a year, but now get him back in the woods, get someone else in there to push this thing forward. And it's really interesting to hear that. Uh, Maybe you could talk a little bit about the British Mycological Society, because in learning more about the British mycology scene, you know, I know that it gets broken down into this pretty simplified viewpoint of like British culture is mycophobic that kind of carried over obviously to the Americas. So Anglo-American culture ends up being more mycophobic, but when you look back to the Victorian era, you look back, I mean, there's been a strong mycological tradition in Britain. And so tell us about the mycological society, maybe a little bit about the evolution. Um, Obviously you're not going to be able to tell us about the Victorian era necessarily, but about (laughs) the evolution of people's interest in fungi and mushrooms. I mean, you guys have a whole fungi day. It doesn't seem to me like it's a purely mycophobic culture.
0: No, it's not at all. And there's a there's a real, I think there's an age group around, I would say around my age, I'm in my 40s now, you know, I'm generalizing here, but I think the BMS large is quite an old establishment. It's a, it's a, it's a really well-established, establishment but it's run by an older cohort if i was tra- i don't know how else to, to say that diplomatically right for instance I'm, I'm probably one of the youngest people on any of the committees and i'm in my 40s you know that's you know so that, that so it's some it's there. some
1: elder statesmen of the mycological society yeah
0: and and so we're, i'm so grateful that they i have learned that i've you know i've never been in committees in my life i'm also in one for the northwest fungus group for the northwest of england that's and they took me under their wing from the very often i've learned so much but again i'm the youngest person there you know these guys are all retired ex-academics often and and so sharing of their gift and their time but I've learned about committees you know I'm so grateful these people are willing to do this as I've just said I struggle with such areas I just thought it was my time to give a little bit back in that respect so yeah it's it's an older organization I think generally speaking but I think there is uh, like I said a real movement for people around my kind of age group around this 30s and 40s it might be that midlife thing where you, you realize there's beauty in just being outside, you know, that kind of thing where you don't feel you have to be. And that kind of peace that comes or maybe that crisis that comes like, what am I going to do that makes me happy, actually? Do you know what? Just walking in the woods makes me happy, you know, where that's not cool in your 20s or something. So, yeah, there's a great movement. And um, I think some of the mushroom groups on Facebook probably testament to that. And there's mushroom growing specialists, of course, a uh, real movement in that. And yeah, there's this there's thousand mushroom spots, as you I'd have to give a mention because they were a great support to me. And I try and help them back, you know, and help IDs and stuff for the for people starting out. They've grown hugely over these last few years, maybe even all this six, seven years ago. I don't know, a couple of thousand and they're in the thousands and thousands now. So there is a great movement. It's just there seems to be not a divide as such, but a distance between these guys, this new generation, if that's what I call it, and the BMS the BMS, are also, they're not big on psychedelics or edibles. And, of course, that's that's a big routine for a lot of people. That's, a, you know, a doorway in, which then doesn't necessarily become the priority anymore once you realise you actually enjoy all the fungi around, the ones that you're just trying to eat. So I think that could also be a little bit a part of the problem of the connecting up with the, the bigger picture. I'm, this is only my words. I couldn't speak for them, but I'd say potentially that might be it as well. It's just a little bit of a,
1: a divide there, perhaps. Well, and that's the caveat. This is Ali's viewpoint. You're not speaking for the organization or anything like that. All the most respectful terms. I do find that, though, even here in the States, that there is that divide between people who want it to be seen as proper science, almost more of an academic study versus what are seen as amateurs, people more interested in psychedelics or foraging for food or things that are more approachable and popular and it would be great to see that divide get bridged. And I think it's happening all the time. But to see that divide get bridged, because I think one of the beautiful things about fungi is, like you said, there's a lot of mileage. This is a kingdom of organisms with all different ways that humans and fungi can work together. So having the most approachable be accessible to everyone or be included in some of these societies can kind of draw people then in to the science and a little bit more of the advanced research and ways to study fungi. And I know it's done that for me and so many people is to, yeah, be interested in finding food. And then suddenly you're learning about ectomycorrhizal relationships. You're learning about forests. You're learning about metabolites, you know, it it kind of leads into this journey into science. So I think the work you're doing and so many educators and social media, everyone is kind of helping to bridge that gap organically or kind of from a grassroots level
0: yeah it is it is happening there are a couple of people there a few people you know i should say i'd like to support them at the same time here because like i said I don't, these are all my viewpoints but because there are grants available because it is a very science-based uh and research-based quite rightly you know that's what the establishment's there for but right. ultimately i'm the guy that just likes running around pointing at fungi and wants other people to do this something similar because i think there's so much enrichment and value in that and i didn't know how to how the two married up but there are people there make, making the differences, you know, forming those bridges, like you say. And we're very well supported. There are grants, and everyone should know that, anyone in the UK would be listening, that there are grants to apply for up to a couple of hundred pounds every, if you've got an event to put on for UK Fungus Day, it is supported and there's money there to help. So, that you know, they are really supportive in that respect, which is fab.
1: I love that idea. And there's a similar thing here in the States where mycological clubs will have small grants and things for people working on research projects, you know, to supplement some kind of, graduate research they're doing there's also grants for people and maybe this is something they would do in the uk is to support people to put together fungal diversity surveys locally you know using apps like iNaturalist and things a little bit of money set aside so yeah we definitely want to encourage people to get involved with that but it will be interesting to watch and see how that integrates with kind of the wider more mainstream appreciation of mushrooms and fungi that seems to be popping up That brings me to, you know, you as an educator, and it's one of the questions that I don't know if you consciously think about or if it's just part of who you are, but why go for, you put it in your email back to me, why go for daft? Why go for a style of communication that's kind of daft and based around humor? And I'm asking this because I'm interested to hear your answer because I kind of take the same tact. So why do you choose that way to convey uh, your love of my job?
0: I love your openings, you know. I love I love the dry faces. You just pop out from wherever you happen to be crouching, you know. That tickles me because you don't need to do that, but that's the thing you do, and I, I, it tickles me. So, yeah, I get it. Um, Here's the thing. I, I can't – our lives are short, you know. We are just on this earth for, for this long. That's bad radio, isn't it? But I've basically got my, my thumb and my finger, and i make a very, very small space between, <laughs> you know, a tiny dot. And mushrooms, there's a lot to be worried about in this world, isn't there? You know – there's famine and there's people being poorly all the time. We've just had a, a terribly difficult year and some people have really suffered. And I'm still here and I've still got my health and I'm very fortunate for it. I've got family, friends, and health. And I'm not sure what else you need other than that. And so I I feel like I've no right to take anything seriously in that respect. I'm just if I'm gonna be here, I might as well enjoy it. So whatever I'm doing, I'm just gonna make the most of it and do it the way that I want to, which is just to have a laugh. I wanna take the pomposity may be out of it. I'm not saying there's lots of people going around pompous in a pompostuous, what is the word? What
1: pompous? is that pompous?
0: I don't know, in a pompous fashion. I'm not saying that's it, but it could be quite a serious thing of course. Like I said, my first introductions were with an older generation when I started going out with other other people, and I've learnt so much, but there's such it's so science heavy, and that's not what my background, and nor will it be my future, I don't think, or, until the day I pick up a microscope, let's see. But and I'm like, look, at, look how serious they take it. And I love it. And I was giddy at how serious. And and I, it's so important these people care the way they do because this is a recording group that I'm with and they're doing the proper science and science matters, of course. But I thought if it went any further than that, I've got to take the, I couldn't post about it and, and the way that people post about their lifestyles and say this, that and the other and moaning. No one likes moaning. So I'm not going to do, I'm going to do the opposite if I can. I'm just going to make it fun and I hide because why not? And, you know, I'd rather be doing that with most things in my life probably. I suppose sometimes to my detriment i'm sure but i'd rather just make it fun. i'd rather make it fun it's a laugh, it?
1: i think erring on the side of making it fun is always going to put you in a, in a good place and I, I had someone when i asked him about advice on how should people get involved with fungi and he really just said you know share your gifts do what you're good at center it around fungi and mushrooms so if what you're good at is going being funny being charismatic talking about and i'm I'm not going to do it justice at all. People need to go watch the clip talking about leisure center, St. George's mushrooms or George's mushrooms. My wife and I were just like rolling around laughing at that video. If that's what your gift is in terms of communicating the message, then that's what you do. And fungi are such a massive field that we're just starting to grapple with as a society that it really is just everyone could put their unique viewpoint on communicating the message. They're all equally valid. They're all going to touch different people in different ways, and I'm sure you've gotten the messages or had people give you the feedback like, "Hey, that funny video made me start seeing that mushroom." You know that that's powerful. Well,
0: look, I think there should be a disclaimer at this point, right now, that I'm about to disappoint a lot of people if anyone hadn't heard of me and then goes and watches these videos. Think, well, that's not that funny, is it? I might not. I'm not very funny. You know, I feel <laughs> like just. You know, there's got to be a disclaimer because we're setting me up for a fail here. Because i you know, they might not find it very funny at all. But that's kind of the point. I'm do- Again, I'm doing this for me because I'm not doing it to be popular. I don't want the likes. I don't necessarily – and that's quite – this is really empowering. You know, I've learned that over this journey of Instagram. I've only been on a-, a few years, two or three years. And I did it because the Wildlife Trust, which is one of our biggest uh, wildlife organization charities here, asked me to do an Instagram takeover. I didn't even know what it was, so I set up the account and got going. And I really enjoyed that space. I quite enjoyed it. It was a really friendly one, and it works for me because I'm a very visual learner. Yeah, so this journey has been really interesting, and as much as a like is a lovely thing, and that little rush of endorphin, oh, someone likes, that's nice,
1: isn't it? Dopamine hit, yeah. What,
0: what ultimately, what does lots of followers? I'm sure that lots of people on Instagram would like that. And it, it, does it represent success or does it represent popularity? Does it represent anything? I don't know. You think you might want more? I'm really, I'm in such a fortunate place that I'm not bothered, and that's quite empowering because I don't feel I have to fit a particular, you know fit a particular spec or a, a glove to make sure that i'm just pleasing those people there and that, that and then nothing drops off i really don't care because this is just for me to have fun and hopefully if those who are happy with that style well then great welcome and those who aren't that's all right because that's all right too isn't it because we're all different so it, it's really empowering to be able to and liberating to just do what i want because it, it, again it is just fungi after all and i know they're amazing don't get me wrong at, at all ends of the spectrum they are incredible organisms and they probably are going to save this world but it is just it is just an earth style. I'm poking with a finger, you know, it is just fun guy.
1: And so yeah, let's not ascribe too big of implications. And that's, I think that's the right way to look at it for anyone who wants to get involved with spreading the message on social media, you know, don't try to think of yourself as an influencer. And not that that's inherently a problem. You know, I had someone reach out to me who's, who's outside the U S who's asking me, you know, what advice do you have to me to become an influencer? I want to live that kind of lifestyle. And I'm thinking, this is not a lifestyle i don't support myself with this this is purely what you said what something i do for fun and i think that's the best advice to people is communicate the message but really be making the content for yourself and you know in bumping into this area of northern california has a lot of folks who are on instagram the pacific northwest of the us a lot of folks who share a lot on social media and yeah they have kajillion followers and i'm thinking wow that must be you know you kind of have in your head that must be some kind of validation that must be and they usually have the same ethos as what you just talked about. Like, no, I just do this for myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't. I don't really care about the followers. It's not, I'm just learning how to share cooler and cooler media or more interesting ideas with people. And that's what the fulfillment is. So for people who are hearing this, who want to, you know, start sharing your mushroom photos on Instagram or so, I would say just start doing it and do it until as long as you enjoy it. Do what you want to do until you don't want to do it anymore and do it for yourself. And yeah, don't get caught up in the little, Comment bubbles with the little hearts, because I'm pretty sure that they do equate to nothing. As you just as you just hinted at,
0: look like like you say, you know, do it for the right reasons. And if you know what right is, then you will be a happy person. If you know what right is, but I'd hate the thought that people have this self-imposed pressure to, you know, I've caught myself doing it. Like oh, I've not posted for a few weeks now. Well, does anybody even care? There's not people sat at old biting nails <laughs> thinking oh, I've not seen the fungi guy for ages. I really need a post about something with a scabrous stem. Who's bothered? Probably no one. It, and, and oh, but will followers drop off. I've caught myself thinking that in the past. You know, not so much. It's like who cares? It doesn't matter, does it? Because at the minute I do that, I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. And so, here's the thing. And this this could sound a bit deep, but I think it's really relevant because I keep coming back to it. So I might as well share it because I've been mulling this over about why I do fungi and why I do it on Instagram and the way that I do it. If I'm in a, like I said, there's so much hurt and difficulty in this world. Yeah, and, and this should be a, a happy space. It certainly is for me. It could be lots of things—a space like this—but in my, in my little bubble that I've, you know, created an echo chamber. It's, it's fungi uh, that I choose to be a part of. But if I'm privileged enough to have choice, just choose joy. What, why choose anything else? Why choose pressure self-imposed, or why choose to think that that person's doing it better, or, or I'd love to do that because you don't know what they're going through either. Maybe there's a horrible pressure when you get to I don't know fifty thousand followers to feel you've got a post daily or else they drop off. Or Now, it's different, of course, if it's revenue and your income. I understand there's a different whole bag in, involved. Right. But as a hobby, if you're just a hobbyist and doing it for fun, then do it for fun, like you said. Because for me, all roads now lead to joy because I'm halfway through my life if I'm lucky. So what else am I going to do if, if I've got the choice? That is the privilege, like I said, I've got my health and my home and family. What what else is there other than so all roads should lead to joy? That's how, that's how I'm feeling at the moment. That's all it is.
1: It it sounded very sage and very deep. And I think it is a potent reminder for people to not ascribe too much. I think that's what that whole piece we can just encompass it. Don't ascribe too much to social media. And man, what a message for our age when, and I'm sure you see it in working with kids, where so many of us adults and then especially children ascribe so much meaning and self-worth to social media interaction. You know, we need to kind of pull that scale back and yeah, realize this should be about joy. You shouldn't do it if it doesn't make you feel good. You know, those are things that I think a lot of people have wrestled with. I know I have, I know I've been, uh, you just elucidated a thought process that I've had so many times. Oh my God, I didn't post today. Oh my God, I've had, and does it really matter? You know, is that really that important to you versus, you know, the relationships with your friends and family? It's like, man, we, so so important to keep this thing in perspective
0: oh totally and let's, let's not forget you know w- w- because i've also value balance i think that's a really important part of, of, of lifestyle and, and, and happiness and well-being well being's a big one i'm sure we'll come on to that i'd like to because that that's really what it's all about for me for fungi uh, this is fungi this is not just me talking about my life it sounds like i'm splurging out my midlife crisis to you <laughs> but, but you know well fungi and well-being they are wow they are so interlinked and we must come to that um look we we, we all have lives we're busy lives and and social media can represent other people's lives that's the highlights isn't it we're seeing highlights i mean i don't want to pull apart social media it could be a wonderful platform of course but like you said just just keep it in perspective remember that yeah he's also running around trying to drive his kids to football practice and you know i'm a dad and i'm a i'm probably not the best dad i can be not the best friend and the best husband because fuck i do permeate and take up so much of my brain space so i'm just trying to get a balance and if i catch myself thinking otherwise it's like ah you know, come on, Ali, you know, you've got to get this, this bigger thing because all we have is now, of course, as well, which is a bit deep again, but all we have is now, so make a good choice right now, whatever that thing is, whatever it is.
1: Can't go wrong with be here now, be in the present moment, keep it all in perspective, make sure you have your priorities in order. Yeah, But let's get into that conversation about fungi and well-being. Uh, and for me, it's kind of fungi and foraging as key to well-being as someone who spent way too much time in an office and to a large extent still does. mm mm-hmm to do what I do for a day job, all that kind of thing. For you, you know, how has fungi and this hobby been intricately linked to your own sense of of personal well being?
0: It's it's absolutely number one. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of listeners thinking the same thing. How how the implications and, and, and the way that it permeates my life, you know, there's not a day goes by where I don't think about fungi. I'm pretty sure of that. Consciously or not. Um, you know, and that's even during the 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 winter period, which for us is the, the general rule purists would say no there's fungi every day of the year and there are fungi all year round but we have our seasons and spring it's just starting to kick in now I found my very first belief yesterday and it's like ah and now the tingles you know with like my spider senses go It's like oh it's kicking in big time so, so it's something I think about daily and I love that it does that but here's the thing it's a hobby for life and what an exciting thought that is I've got quite a, a flitty brain quite manic and I've tried lots of things in my life and I'm, I love that I love you know I love trying new things and a lot of fads. I go through a lot of fads in my life and they drop off, and I really commit, think this is going to be something I'm going to do forever. And then I do it for about two and a half months and then I stop. But I know, I know myself well enough now that fungi, this feels very, very different. And to think that I'll be doing this and retirement to me, you know, I'm sad to think of people who kind of look, you make your choices, and if you've worked very hard, you just want to sit down on a couch and watch telly because you've worked so hard, you're like fair dues. But for me, I know what. People say use it lose it and all the rest of it. My retirement's going to be amazing because I can just go and look for fungi every day and I know I won't be bored. And what a thought that is, and, and here's the part that goes with it, every year, and you'll know this and your listeners will too, every year till the day I die, I'll find new fungi. How many hobbies can offer you that? Brand new experiences every single year. Every single experience in the woods is a new one with fungi, of course, because it's never quite the same combination. You might just find that one new thing or something in a different condition that fooled you and all that undoing of a fungus to identify it that's so exciting that whole jigsaw piece and trying to solve the puzzle but to the day i die every single uh every single year something i find fungi i've never found before that's just thrilling it's, it's it what a, what a thought what pure joy that it's absolutely brilliant yeah so that there's that there's the clincher that it's just a hobby for life and i think that's fantastic
1: well and as a man who seems to be very conscious of balance in your life I mean, in this age of the screens, the digital, the plasma, I think it's almost a necessity for people to have some kind of relationship with the outdoors. And I like to think that fungi foraging for mushrooms, it gives you a reason to go outdoors because I know, and I've talked with a lot of people who say, yeah, I know I need to go, but, you know, taking a four hour hike. This isn't my thing. I'm going to be thinking about all these other things I have to do. It just, it feels like I'm not making the best use of my time, which that's a whole other discussion. Eventually people realize like, no, that's probably the best use of my time. But I think uh, yeah. like fungi could be this great doorway to, to get us there, right? In a society where we're looking for a reward or something to do, fungi get us there to that balance without us even knowing.
0: Look, you know that there's scientific and a lot of scientific research into just the well-being involved in outdoor spaces. You know, and that even just the color green isn't there now. You know, people painted the walls green just because psychologically, mentally, you feel better. You know, and that whole thing for a window for people in, who are incarcerated in prison, having a window, the difference it can make to their well being, that whole outdoor space. You know, I'm sure, you know, we're born to be out there and you'll have had better discussions with other people. But you, you touched on something there that that whole outdoors thing and that you never do you ever come home and regret a walk? Is that, is that even possible? You know, like I said, I don't want to go to a four-hour hike either. Don't get me wrong, my wife's furious with me now because when we first met, she was a hiker and I just couldn't be bothered because I'm bored. There's no adrenaline. What's going on here? It's boring. Whatever, I'm not bothered. I quite like the outdoors, but I'm not bothered. Now, she can't find me and she knows full well where I'll be. I'll be in the woods if I'm home late. I got a call, you know, last season, she just went, what woods are you in? She didn't she not say hi Ellie. And, <laughs> you know, she just knew that I wasn't there for T shirt. What was you in? <laughs> and I'd I'd kind of secretly on my cycle home from work and bobbed in a new spot that i and I thought I'd just quick run around before I go home and try to dad. And she, she knew she knew my number. So yeah, the whole thing is now, it is like you say, once you engage, it's engaging with it and fungi can do that. They can the same as uh, lots of people are into uh, nature, if you've got a reason, a purpose, and start making those connections and joining those dots. It's an amazing what a what a thing it brings because it isn't just fungi. It's a slightly other conversation, is it? But it's the trees understanding, you know, you've got to learn your trees for your fungi. So suddenly I care about trees. I oh, do what sounds coming from this tree. I've never heard that bird before. So I'm just on the fringes of learning about birds now. So suddenly my every experience is being more and more enriched. And like, whoa, what's that plant? Look at that. And I've never seen it before. and, and so suddenly what an enriching experience it is in the woods, and any person who's into nature will tell you that. And and it's that thing you just want to convert everyone, because if only they knew those people who didn't. It, what a thing that is. There are five things, because of course well being is part of my work as pastoral worker in my school. There are five threads to wellbeing, generally speaking, and fungi to every single one of them. And as, there you go. Uh, first one, connect. So that can be connecting people, but connecting you, of course, your environment which of course is really good for well-being uh feeling a part of the bigger picture so connect but to of course community-wise so connect with people learning number two is learning you know how is fungi not learning last night i had all my books out for this belief because it was a really close call as to whether it was one of two things and i was so fortunate my wife gifted me this out i sound like she wears the pants it might not be it's not necessarily the case but to go out for three hours looking fungi and then be allowed to when i come in thinking i have to put dad hat on and husband hat she went I said, oh, can I just try and find out what this is before it dries up? She's like, yeah, of course. So I cracked a beer and I put the books out and I spent an hour immersed in my books. I mean, what, what, what a pure mindfulness. That's the next thing. Spending the time to do that. But I learned and I will always know that mushroom because I got the time to do it. I was gifted that. I was very fortunate. I know all the little nuances of that, that fungus now. You know, so there's all the learnings. So that's two. Three, physical. Staying physical and active, of course. Well, look, you know, some big hills to climb sometimes. And, and even if it's a, a, a steady walk, you're out and you're moving, aren't you? Because you're not sat at an office and you're not sat on your couch. Mindfulness is the fourth part. And that's a huge part because within mindfulness, you've got all the senses. How many, how many hobbies afford you the chance to use every single one of them apart from sound? You can't quite hear a fungus, but every other one, touch, taste, smell. It's so engaging. There's the word. It's so engaging. And so it's tick. And, and the last part, the fifth part of well-being is to give. And that's the bit that I'm just a bit shy on. So, you know, if I was trying to crawl it in to make myself think, oh, I'm complete, then maybe in the way that I choose to educate or share my knowledge. But that's not really the truest sense of giving. I think it has to be a selfless thing. So I'm looking into that um, and and how I I can make a part of my life. It it doesn't have to be anything to mushrooms, although I've got a feeling it will be. (laughs) Uh, How can I give? But it ticks every single box of the well-being, you know, uh, strands. And so no wonder it makes people no wonder there's people listening to this and no wonder you've got some amazing guests because we all know deep down how how good it makes us feel to be immersed in this wonderful thing these wonderful organisms
1: i mean just what a beautiful way to put that and these five pillars of well-being i know are now going to be etched in my memory and i think definitely in what you're doing to promote outreach about fungi that being of service is all wrapped up in there
0: it's the bottom line. Back to well-being and joy, and this thing. If, if you know, again, I must point out if, if I'm privileged enough to have the choice to do it. You know, some people have hardships right. that won't let get them there. But if you've got the privilege to choose it, that whole well-being—that's the reason that I want to tell people because I just think if you could feel like I feel, that's an, how, how can I not want to tell you that? How can I not improve that walk that you're just on round this little lake or that walk to work? Because that's the other big part for me whether we got into that, get
1: onto that or not, I don't know, but accessibility because- Yes, that was what I was just about to say because I share it because I feel like it hits on all those points you just mentioned and it's something anyone can do. You know, when I first got interested in fungi, I was not, you know, quote unquote, financially successful. I didn't have internet popularity, whatever our measures of success and happiness that we equate in the modern day. I wasn't hitting on those cylinders, but fungi then brought me into this world where suddenly I was starting to feel those senses of well-being, self-worth, and it didn't require money. It didn't require any special. So that's one of the reasons I think, you know, it is an accessible avenue to at least get you on the path to maybe grappling with some of the even thinking about some of these things and where you are in terms of your own well-being. for some reason, I have that power and they do seem eminently accessible but you said you are in an urban area now this is something that I always love to hear about how accessible is it practically you know to engage in the hobby of looking for wild mushrooms foraging how have you done that in an urban area how accessible is it for people even if they don't live out you know in the middle of the Devon countryside let's say
0: yeah no it's a really good question and uh, here's the thing fungi don't discriminate so they don't know that what that piece of grass is that they're sat on they don't know if it's a beautiful country rolling hillside or if it's a, a scratched little thing outside of you know a supermarket car park so they're there because that's the right you know substrate for those guys so i'm going to do a big push on this this autumn as a, as a, a bit of an angle the whole look because i'd hate that you have to be of privilege to get into certain things that, uh, that get you where you want to go in life and for me again what's more important than anything is just that you're your all internal happiness. And, the, and I think that Funga can do it, and the fact that they don't discriminate is accessible to everyone. Man, that's, that's like, suddenly it's up-leveled incredibly. So look, so you said urban. So I'm very fortunate that, personally, where I am, which is a place called Bury in the northwest. It's it's all, sort of Manchester, I'm on the outskirts, but I'm just at the borderline of It's a massive town, but I'm on the borderline of the countryside. So so Mm. only 20-minute drive out, and I'm up in the hills and what have you. Not that that necessarily is the very best space. I've got some lovely spaces there for unimproved grasslands, which are great for our wax caps and real specific fungi like that. And that's just, you know, 15 minutes up the road. I'm very fortunate because we have some of the best in Europe of that. I must point out. Very, very fortunate. But as you go into towns, you know, we're an an old, well-established country, of course. So we've got lots of really old churchyards slap bang in the middle of some very industrial urban areas. And in churchyards is my new thing. So I did a whole graveyard tour this last autumn, and for people to join me. And I went, and lots of people posted about all the graveyards because lots of people have a churchyard quite close by, you know, generally speaking. And the things that I found because they replicate that unimproved grasslands. So basically, it's well-established soils. We need a well-established short mown spaces which replicate the the grasslands that are short grazed by the animals and livestock in there that have been around for hundreds of years these untouched beautifully kept pieces of grass you get some incredible wax caps and I was finding stuff that once was thought was on the red data list you know this this beautiful ballerina wax cap it's very well thought of and it turns out it's not as rare as people think but I found it I found 50 odd in a tiny little it was a crummy looking church there was a beautiful churchyard opposite where I thought I'd find the most beautiful things but actually in this crummy little 20 meter space I found something that blew my mind out and it's it's six minutes up my road i've just never chose to go in that churchyard so i bought myself an and survey map which is the, the guys that map out the whole country and i just mapped off all the churches in my like two mile radius and i just went around all these churchyards and i just found beautiful things after beautiful things to, and of course you've got the trees so you do have mycorrhizal you've got well-established trees in these hundreds of years old oaks and beeches and yew, and they throw, throw up some beautiful fungi so that's accessible but but more so than that really commute to work i used to cycle to the city center which is where my work is based in a, in a very built-up uh, industrial town but that commute to work all those little grassy verges outside the fire station just little grass verges just outside people's houses those little pockets i became familiar with certain fungi that come up at certain years but there'd always be something new again like oh didn't know those tricholomas grew here and look at that a ring of tricholoma so that cycle route to school which would often make me late. I was really got a sweat on because I was always stopping to pick something and look at that. It's so exciting. Grass verges, like I said, the local leisure centre, little grass spaces, fairing champignon grows there. You've got your parks and your gardens. I've mentioned the cemeteries And, and what we call edgelands. I think it was a phrase coined in America, actually, just for these spaces that haven't been given, that don't count as countryside nor the urban, but you know, canal sides and scratchy little woods at the edge of football pitches and things like that. But these are spaces where, of course, if there's woods and there's trees, there'll be fungi. And so these spaces are around us. We're very fortunate. We are a a quite green country, but even if you're in the biggest of towns or cities, parks, gardens, you know, you've got old cherry trees that got chicken in the woods on. You've got your ink caps, which will pop up anywhere. Shaggy ink cap can come up anywhere. And what an exciting day that is, you know, when you start on picking one of those. So, yeah, I just think to know that, you could step out any space near you and you'll find fungi at some point the right time of year once your radar's on that is that is so exciting
1: that's one of the things i love is really people can get started on this wherever they are you just said it perfectly it's eminently accessible and we're going to have to apologize to all the clergy for people now that are going to descend on (laughs) churchyard and all the administrations and businesses and schools people are late to work now jumping off the road and going down into woodlots, and as you start foraging more and more, looking at wild mushrooms more and more, your spidey senses on, your foraging senses on, you're going to start just seeing those areas like, oh, that looks like a good habitat. I'm going to go check that out. Uh, so it's just something you naturally grow into so beautifully. So yeah, I, I love how accessible it is. And this puts you on the path, as we just said, I don't want to get too messianic with our fungi. I don't think that's possible though, but it puts you on that path to maybe approaching these pillars of well-being. In a society where so many of the times we externalize, you know, our value and our well-being on the other things, fungi just beautifully bring it home to something like internable and approachable and attainable.
0: Well, this, this is it. Like I said, the commute, to, I mean, you know, let's just say, please drive responsibly because is, there, there is that danger. Certainly this time year, in the corner of thine eye, you just got one eye out for those little yellow flashes, you know, head height that could be chicken of the woods. You, you, have, you have chicken of the woods over there?
1: Oh, we have loads of chicken in the woods. And that is the classic, you know, my wife trying to grab the steering wheel because I'm looking at the forest <laughs> yeah. instead of looking at the road.
0: But look, again, like I say, you know, once once it gets this deep and you get so far into the wormhole, it gets this far under your skin, how it can improve your day. Because if you just see just a little zone, like say, once that radar and you see that zone, you think, ooh, the right time of year, I'm going to check that out. You know, just birch trees are, are a wonderful mycorrhizal host. And um you know, I took the kids. Here's, here's a lovely one. So I taught these kids in, in year four. So these are nine and 10-year-olds. I teach them every year the, for UK Fungus Day. So that's around October time. And then I do surprises. and who does the best homework. I take them on a little foray on the minibus, school minibus to a local woodland. And we do a little foray for an hour or so. And it's just the fabbiest day. It's wonderful. Wasn't able to do that this year. But I took them swimming because uh, they learned to swim at this age as well. The school funds uh, were funded to be able to take our children swimming uh, for a, a few months. So every week we get on the school bus. Uh, A big bus rolls up and we drive there. So now I'm right next to Manchester City Stadium, this really a new estate and really, industrial's not the word, but, you know, really urban site. And on those nice little lawns right outside the leisure centre as all the kids got off the bus, three of the big four trees that I've been teaching our kids, birch, beech, pine and oak. It's amazing. And they were all there apart from the oak. We had beech hedging. We had little young pine trees and there were uh, um, young birch as well. And lo and behold, I said, hey, look at that. That's three of the, the trees we've talked about. Because our, ch- our children's classes happen to be called trees names. So they're not like class one, class two. cold called pine and birch. That's amazing. So if I could say that's, first of all, I engage the kids by saying, that's your class, that tree there, pine class, that's you. And they didn't know that association. They, you know, they might it's just a word, a tree that they have heard of. But actually to see the one that they belong to and then to say, and look, down there, guys, from the top neck of the bus, I could see there were fungi growing. And suddenly I've got elfin settles and a webcap. So, so these kids are all lined up, ready to walk into the swimming lesson. we press pressed the buzzer to be allowed in. And I'm saying, just stay there. And I'm walking along the line, making them all smell this little mushroom and look at this crazy little elfin settle. And it's like, yeah, look at that. we got that in before you go and do now go swim. Now go swim. But look, you've had a little fungi lesson there. And it was, it's just, yeah, and there you go. A leisure centre, suddenly is swimming. For me, highlight of my day, don't know about the kids. I had a great time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ali is there to inoculate. It's mostly for his own joy. This is a good point to touch on. For people that have kids or people that work with kids, I mean, you're making it sound very easy to just bring it into the flow of whatever you're doing. You know, what's a way to start integrating a little bit of fungi, mushroom, education? Any tips, words of wisdom for how you can kind of bring this information to kids in whatever capacity, children, students, whatever?
0: Oh, that's a good one. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I ask questions, you know, like we should as adults as well. I, I've always said before, you know, I, I compare children and adults often because yeah, we, we won't go too deep into that. But ultimately, ask questions. Go and have a walk in a green space. And certainly the boom period for us, which would be late summer and autumn time, which is uh, August, September, October. Those are our big periods where you're most likely to find fungi. And you will find fungi if you're looking for it. And ask questions: What's it growing on? Do we know why it's growing there? What does it smell of? Anything? Does it do anything when I touch it? You know? Or am I allowed to touch it? You know? There's this huge, like you say, that whole phobia around fungi. You know, if people bump into me in the woods, one of the first things they say is, "Oh, don't, don't eat it." You know, that's the first thing, first point of call. It's going to be poisonous. And so that's a lovely. Obviously, it's like, oh. Lucky buddy, you've just thrown the gauntlet down. I'm gonna to have to educate you now. Sorry, pal, I know you're just walking your dog and I know you meant well, but I'm just about to bore you for the next ten minutes. Um so so yeah, ask questions, poke it, prod it, smell it, wonder what it's stuck on, and then use social media in a in a great way by asking that question. A bit like, you know, a rhizomorph and mycelium. Uh, it'll get there. It'll find its answer because someone who knows someone who knows someone, who knows someone who will say, oh, "I know who can do that." So obviously, like yourself, I'm sure you get tagged in lots of posts and people messaging you saying, "Do you mind just tell me what this is, please?" And I, I'm always happy to try and have a go anyway uh, because that's something I can do, isn't it? Try and identify because there's there's the simplicity of fungi as well. Most people just want to know what is it. That's the you know not necessarily right. what it does because that's these are all the next level sort of things, but it's very starting point. Wow, what's that? And usually second question, and is it edible? But the, what, the what's that thing, yeah. So I would just get your kids in these spaces if you're able to and ask a question. And like I said, at the right season, because I know the particular zones to be looking in, they're a bit few and far between at the moment and we're having a blazing hot time right now. So it's not great season for it. But it's prime time, get them out there, get looking purposefully and you will find some. And then ask the questions and uh, just get online i suppose we're so fortunate in the age of google just google it and you know describe the fungus and something might come up depending on just what the fungus is, of course
1: which will probably be something fun in its own right to search with you know your kid or your student to figure out what that mushroom is you guys just saw outside a beautiful beautiful piece of advice so simple just ask questions bring them into the fold kind of inspire that curiosity I'm sorry
0: i've got to say but if you can find a stink on, you know if, if you're a, if an adult you know what you're doing you know uh, Pooh. As soon as you tell children things about poo, of course, they go crazy. Uh, you know, I'm still Giddy's a kipper if I find one because I just think they're so fascinating. So, you know, there's big ones to go for if you know what you're doing. and if but So if you did, you can't not try and uh, engage with a stinkhorn.
1: <laughs> and I think you just read my mind because I was about to ask you about the annual stinkhorn race. <laughs> this is something we don't always associate with fungi, is that we can race them. The static organism somehow, Ali, has formed a whole race around it. So tell us about the annual <laughs> stinkhorn race, You know what that is and kind of what the plans are for the future.
0: Well, yeah, it's certainly not a, a huge event by any means, but I did it one year for fun because I knew that you could Unlike most fungi or many fungi, you, you can take them away and they will continue to grow. So in their egg stage, uh, sometimes known as witch's eggs here, if you find this strange, unusual egg, you, uh, you can take two away. So I took two away and put them in a bucket. And then I think uh, a bucket of soil, you know, just partly just tried to replicate. I think I might take a little bit of the soil with me, too. And they will they will hatch. I'm sure there's a better word for what a fungus wouldn't normally hatch, but it's coming out of an egg, I suppose. And it's, it's really funny to look out the kitchen window every morning like, oh. No, nothing yet, nothing yet. And in the next mile, oh, nothing yet. Because you know it's going to be a 24-hour job. That's another amazing thing there, up and down and gone. So I'm watching and I thought, oh, well, I should give them a name, really. And actually, yeah, maybe people should have a guess. So, you know, little lolly sticks stuck in the ground. Okay, let's. And then so I did that. And that was the first year. And then last year I did it again, only using, obviously, Instagram. Like, okay, let's name these eggs. They were great names. What were they? Something really, I shouldn't say mundane because people will have this name. Or something like Barry. So forgive me all the Barrys, but, you know, kind of, <laughs> you know, fun generic name. That you want to, You know, people want to give it like a, a fungusy name. So I love human names, like human names on dogs makes me laugh. Like calling a dog Peter or something like that. I, I do like things like that. But so it's a name like that. And then someone called it Phyllis Impudicus, which I thought was very good. So we, we've got the little punchline in. And then, yeah, we all, we all watched and looked for an update. And daily, I'd say, has it, hasn't, whatever. And then finally, you know, and I thought, oh, no, have I got a couple of duff eggs? Did I get them too young? And actually, they're not going to. They're going to grow. And I felt bad about that in itself, just taking them out of its habitat. But sure enough, they came good within within 24 hours of each other. And one won the race. And it's just, look, back to that thing. It's just a bit of fun. But what I was I was just wondering how I can escalate that and make it a bit of an annual thing, just for that little bit of a laugh. But I wondered, basically, this this is linking back to you now, Darren. But um the whole... Uh, wonderful work that josephine's doing dr josephine with ecoagric whether i couldn't raise some funds somehow uh, and maybe you put a wager on because i thought it lends itself to a bet this is it going to be that one or that one it lends itself to a bet and so but you know for anyone who's not of the gambling type quite rightly in many ways maybe it could be a contribution so perhaps i could do some kind of hey guys contribute to this and if you're a winner I don't know, I've not thought it through yet, but perhaps I can do some kind of a, an illustration or a print of a Lionel Cut of a stink, the, you know, the third annual Stinkhorn race, or whatever, and everyone gets a print who won or who's donated, regardless. So I need to get my thinking boots on and get going because the Stinkhorn eggs are arriving. I've seen the first one already, so I need, to, uh, I need to get on that. So yeah, but that would be a nice way to possibly raise funds for Josephine's amazing quest over there, um, which I think came to me through you, the awareness of the work that she does.
1: Yes, I mean... Josephine Nakakande over there at Ecoagric, amazing, amazing work. So anything we can do, dream up to support channel energy over there. I'm always a huge fan of, but just this idea to me, I was like, that's brilliant. I mean, it's simple. It's inspiring. They are one of the most alien mushrooms for a lot of folks. They see those eggs. They see something hatching out of them. Here we get a lot of the, where I am, we get a lot of the red cage, stinkhorns, (gasps) clathus ruber. But they exhibit the same behavior, and they might do the exact same thing. So I, I just love that idea, and I think I think it'll inspire people to have similar kind of ideas. Find fun ways to get people interested in mushrooms. If you can do something like supporting a cause at the same time, I mean, that's just the icing on the cake. So I, I love that idea. Thank you for sharing it with us. And that leads us into kind of what the future plans are for you. Now, you stated many times, this is something you do for yourself. It's a hobby. You know, this doesn't have to be something massive. It doesn't have to be you starting your own, you know, Alley Fungi Research Center or something.
0: <laughs> there ain't going to be one of those. There's not going to be one of them in any time. We
1: we know he's not going to be able to administrate that one. He's not going <laughs> to fill out the paperwork <laughs> and sit in those board meetings. But what what is on the horizon for you if you're planning anything into the future?
0: Uh, I've got a few avenues. avenues again, uh, roads of joy, avenues of pleasure, I suppose. I've got a few avenues I want to pursue. It's a funny thing. I feel like I haven't the time to do it all. And that's, again, how privileged I am that I've got so many thoughts that I want to do and avenues of, of fungi that the uh, possibilities, I suppose. So, yeah, creatively, because, right. it, again, it's always got to be an avenue of pleasure, I suppose, that comes with this. But but that giving thing that I need to tie that in somehow, I do need to think about how I can maybe give a little bit more back. I do a few. I've got a few talks coming up um, on panels for this that, and the other Pesticide Action Network coming up soon, which is. Uh, just to try and promote, they're the only charity in the UK that trying to talk to our councils to stop them using the pesticides so so freely, and and they talk to farmers too. But they're, they're talking about urban spaces and just how detrimental it could be to use them. So there's a panelist, there's four of us, I think, and I'm doing the fungi bit, uh, which is nice. So little things like that where I can give a little bit back and, and and talk about what I know, which is just fungi in that respect. But on a on a personal level. I want to do a few more songs. I was hoping to release a kind of a song every year for Christmas, as, you know, in a playful way. We have we've always had this thing in England of the, the Christmas number one. What's going to be at number one in the charts? I mean, I don't even know if there's a charts anymore. I'm going back to when I was like 16. Do you have a charts in, in for music in America?
1: There's a, I think there's a lot of different charts now. There's what's big on Spotify, what's big on SoundCloud, what's yeah, yeah who so, knows? Yeah, so I, I made a
0: joke that you know i was bidding for Christmas number one with my song about. All I want for Christmas is a velvet shank. And then the next year I managed to, to to make a song. But again, it's one of those things, time, well, busy, to pick the guy that helps me write the music who's an amazing musician, because I can write a tune, but I don't really hold a note so well. i play all the instruments. I've got a great friend and it's just pinning us down to do a tune. But we have got one. We've just done a gospel-based song called By the Road. And it's all about fungi you'll find by the road. And I'm really, really proud of it because he's done such a good job and I can't wait. But I've got, i really want to make the video tie in. So I need to make all my, footage for the actual film for this song by the road. So I've got to be ready so that if I find fungi in all these spots that, you know, put my money where my mouth is, if I find them, I've got to be ready to roll and actually make what footage. So the song's ready to go and I'll hopefully I can have that ready for Christmas. I would love, I've got, I'm have got bubbling away with the idea of a spoof podcast. So forgive me, Darren, forgive me for that. But, you know, it, it lends itself. Again, there's so many avenues with fungi. I would love to do like a fake one where it's a really, presenter who thinks he knows everything but doesn't and every guest that he has on actually knows a lot more and just makes a fool of himself which is could essentially be uh, a reflection of myself um yeah not you (laughs) yeah me (laughs) i can see you rich
1: i was gonna say that that might be a little (laughs) bit akin to this podcast though yeah
0: yeah so i've got this idea that i would love to do that but i don't know how i would how i would find the time if i needed to help to fund to get some actors to help me do i've got friends who could do it and again money isn't my motivator to do anything at all it's so thought about patreon but i don't know if i need to go down that And then suddenly there's a pressure isn't there to perform for something and that if it takes away the joy, then no so in my own time if i get to it so I'm, I'm tinkering with some ideas for something like that i'm quite excited about something i've been doing i tell you what i did in lockdown during those months that we were just uh, stuck in our homes i had idle hands so i started making i, t- I thought i'll see if i can make a mushroom out of newspaper papier mache so i started scrumpling up some balls of newspaper and i was quite pleased with the result in the end so I t- i'm holding one up for you this makes poor radio doesn't it but can you see that? Is your camera on?
1: That's incredible looking. Oh, it is. Yeah, on, that's right? your camera's incredible. On. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. So, there you go. I am holding up. I made a porcini and I enjoyed I'm getting better at the reticulation now. So, yeah. But it's just, and, and the shield is paper mashy too. So,
1: the, oh, man. No, that's gorgeous. That's gorgeous. You're selling yourself short. That's an amazing sculpture. So,
0: yeah. You know, like trophies with it for those who can't see, of course. And that's all of you. <laughs> a shield base where you usually have a deer's head and the antlers and that whole trophy hunting thing, but it's mushrooms. And, oh, yeah. So, I've been really enjoying. You know, Alexa there, what have you. So, yeah, I'm thinking of maybe um, selling some of those just for fun, just to help this home with a little revenue. But I think if I say it out loud, it makes me do it, doesn't it? I'm going to say it. I think I'm going to try and raffle one off, my first one, to kick things off. And actually, all the donations I think I'll send over to Josephine. Because I'm trying to think, how can I help somebody who does need this support? And maybe that would be a slightly more selfless thing to do i'm not the best at that so maybe that would be something so so i'm gonna open a little etsy shop and sell some bits and pieces i've been making some artwork and do you know scout badges you know you have the scouts the cub Scouts. oh yeah, there, yeah 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 so i always wish that i was a scout my dad was a scout leader which is i think where my love of the outdoors comes back full circle it's like ah i forgot that i love this you know this was my childhood camping the outdoors didn't realize didn't acknowledge that i loved it but though it's gone full circle. It's like, yeah, it never leaves you those wonderful foundations. So I'm very fortunate my family took me out like that. So my dad was a scout leader, and I, I just always thought that there should be a badge for adults like, you know, Belief Finder, and, you know, Head of the Woods and Griffola, you know, and I just thought that would be quite fun, or, you know, you've got your Rushler badge once you get really good at Rushlers. So I made one. So I've had them manufactured. I've got this Belief Finder badge. So, yeah, again, I'm doing it the way I wanted, which is, in a, a playful fashion. But i make, I tell you what I'm doing. I'm making stuff that I'd want. I'm not trying to meet some some market uh you know gap in the market i don't think there is one it's pretty, you know it's pretty niche this i'm doing stuff that i'd want on my wall or i'd want on my sleeve that's what i'm doing i'm not trying to meet anyone's needs and think yeah that'll sell well i couldn't give a damn and if no one wants them i'll just stick them on my wall and on my shirts but you're yeah, not doing was... the
1: market analysis of wow there's such a demand for spoof podcasts or paper mache <laughs> mushroom trophies you're doing it for the joy and i love that and you can tell you've just got all the creative juices bubbling and i do hope you just Pursue these things as time allows. And I, because I think they're all awesome ideas. I want the badges. I, the paper mache sculpture was actually really good. That was that was a proper sculpture. And of course, the spoof podcast. Like I said, it sounds like this podcast, really. But that wow. sounds like a great idea, too. And I think you would have a natural kind of charisma and fun to talk. So, I, man, I look forward to all of that. I look forward to all of that. Thank
0: you, mate. I realized I've missed making videos because of the lockdown. We were able to get out and find those fun and there's some of the people that appear, so I make uh, for anyone that didn't know, I make beginners guides, fun guys on YouTube. And again, they're not. that If I was being really honest with you now, they're not that useful because they're not that educational. Because I'm, I'm busy messing around, but I try and cloak a little bit of information or enroll it in in daftness. Yeah, I make beginners guide videos, and so I'd love to make some more of those because I've missed that process. I've missed having the silly. I've got like fake editors who were looking at the, the cameras, the wall of, of of screens, and that's just my wife and my sister. You know, I've missed. But because we're social distancing, we've just not been able to be around these people. So I look forward to doing all that again because that's a, a good laugh and a good, it helps me to learn the, the fungus I'm talking about because I need to know what I'm on about if I'm going to educate about it. And nothing like when I heard Learn Your Land, he spoke so well. And, you know, his deep dives to be able to understand a fungus uh, are just something else. So it's not that. If you really want to learn a fungus and you've got a choice between mine uh, and um, Adam's, you know, at Learn Your Land, I think I know what the choice would be. You've got to, you've got to, um, you really want to learn about it. Go and, listen, go and look at his YouTube videos.
1: But what's awesome is he explained his process and it's like what you're describing. You have to first learn the organism yourself. You know, He doesn't have this well-spoken, beautifully put together video out of the box. He has to go do his research, oh, yeah. find, cobble it together, do the takes, do this. So you know, very much of the, the similar process, even if the final product is a little bit different. Where can people find you, though? Where can people engage with the content we're talking about—the videos, the songs? Where is the best place to connect with Ali, the fungi?
0: Okay, so not many spaces, I suppose. Which I, I'm sorry to be limited, but again, you know, I could do Twitter and more Facebook, but it, it's just I'll be multiple posting and feel this this again. So we've explained how that's self-imposed. So, so basically, you can find uh, Instagram's the main space where I post about fungi on a regular basis. So Instagram as the fungi guy. And the same on YouTube, just look up the fungi guy, and that's where I put my some of my silly videos and educational videos and whatnot. Those are the two spaces really. Ali Mac on Facebook, I'll give you those links and, and I'll always try and respond if I can do. But most prominently, that's where I find myself, where I reside.
1: Well, and if you like fungi and you want to have a good laugh, a little bit of education mixed in, you're gonna love the videos. So I highly recommend everyone go check them out. And I'm hoping maybe it's the gospel song or maybe it's one of the other fungi classics that we can use that as the intro and outro to this episode to give people a little bit of the musical flavorings of <laughs> Allie Mac.
0: <laughs> yeah, I reckon we could probably, do. I'm sure we could pull something together. That'd be great. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, that's great.
1: Fantastic. Well, I'll have you leave us with the three questions that I like to ask all of my guests. And the first one is often the most challenging, which is, you know, leave us with a mushroom that you love and why. And this can be for any reason. And actually, I need to change this because it could be more than one mushroom if you want to tell us about more than one mushroom, but just a mushroom that you love and why.
0: It's a good one, isn't it? I'm not sure everyone goes, no, it's too hard. It's like, you know, it, 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 is it equivalent to like, we have something called Desert Island. It's like, what what five things would you take with you on a desert island? Or five, you know, your top songs. And it's like, what are my favorite songs to live with? I'm sure it's the similar dilemma. If you know, but you're asking me, so I'll tell you. I uh, tell you what, can I just give someone else's answer first because it's so diplomatic and so classic? So I did a couple of interviews. I started something similar to what you're doing now, but not half as good. Called Michael Heroes. I really wanted to interview some of our, if I was being polite, trying to be diplomatic and polite, our, our elders who have a story to tell but won't use social media, but a life in fungi. And I just start asking the simple stuff. So nothing as beautiful and as motivating and as the deep dives that you get out of your guests, I was just saying, what's your mushroom, mushroom? How did you start? You know, some of the simple stuff, because I just wanted to make it quite accessible as well for people starting out to hear this. So I did manage to do a couple of interviews. And when I asked that question to those guys, uh, these wonderful uh, mycologists, they both gave the same answer, which are yeah, all fungi. They wouldn't, almost wouldn't give me an answer. They wouldn't pin one down. They said, just a fungus in its Especially one in its perfect condition, no matter what it is, it's just the most beautiful thing to find. That is there my favourite fungus. But I'm not. I've not got the same level of modesty, and uh, you know, and I've not got that restraint to be able to do that diplomacy or whatever it is. But they did. I will say that they did say mycena one of them. They both actually struck on mycena at one point, uh, and it would appear that maybe that's is that the equivalent of you know when you retire, and you, you start listening to jazz and having your coffee black, and then you get into mycena. Is that is that the equivalent of you know people who get into jazz <laughs> when they the get old? You know, I, I say that I'm into jazz now as well. you well, I'm old. I'm getting old. My answer would be, I think, the bullies. I just, I just, I'll never tire of a bully. I just think they're such wonderful because there's such variety within them, within that genus, the size and the, you know, I'm not one for thinking, oh, I love the big ones the best, but there's something about the drama in spotting a big, chunky, perfect, massive, homely shape I've seen it mentioned somewhere in a book. These homely shapes, <laughs> these big bulky belites are just amazing to see. And then of course once you start to that, that lovely ripping sound as you're pouring out to really inspect it to, to if you need to do so for ID purposes. And you're looking at the reticulation and you know when you're looking at the pores and the bruising and then you slice in half and the colour changes. They're so dramatic. I just love a believer. And here's the other thing with beliefs. they're achievable. Within reason you know, with a good key, and I've got a super one by one of our leading mycologists, Jeffrey Kibbe, who, who also deserves a shout out for general people that have inspired me. He's done a, a key that's achievable without microscopy. So within reason, you can get there. And that was one of the books I had out last night to make your way through this key. OK, keys out, you know, is the cap, you know, is it Tom and Toast? Is it smooth, shiny? And you make your way through until you've got these letters and you it, it, it should get a match. So because they're achievable, there is satisfaction. Everyone wants to know what they've got at the end of the day, don't they? And the can do that too. So that's why I love a bully. It's got a so, lot variety, but you can still generally find out what you've got. And it's not that easy necessarily. So it's just a nice balance, perfect for me. Nice bit of challenge. Some are easy, always dramatic. The bullies
1: and they're big. They can be very colorful, yellows and reds. And you just talked about the oxidation, that deep blue from slicing a elite. Pretty sure that's like the most famous mushroom video on Instagram <laughs> or social media ever. Someone yeah. slicing a elite. I think it was Woodland Cravings slicing a elite, that rich blue color. Beautiful, beautiful answer. And you just brought up something that I should have asked in the interview. But if you can rattle off just a couple kind of UK myco heroes for anyone listening to this over in the UK or here you know in north america wherever you are in the world just some really influential uk micro heroes for yeah.
0: you uh, so, some of which you may have know so yes belondo is first of all because he's also become a friend from going on so many forays and spending that much time with him and bothering him with my pulse what's this what's this With my messages in the early days <laughs> that actually we've we've got a great friendship so um, you know we're we're good friends now we always have a few chances together each year so a great a great friend to have so yes a big one and he is on instagram by the way Jesper. .launder maybe you can put the link in afterwards jeffrey kibbe i just got that mentioned because he's one of our uh, most prominent active mycologists he's the president of my little northwest fungus group that i'm a part of and he does a little presidential speech each year which is fascinating uh he's he's based at q as well uh-huh. which you'll know very well so yeah but he's got a lot of he's just on his final volumes he's done his big moment of doing written work on every pretty much every species of fungus. Uh, and mushroom and toadstool, uh, I should say, and he's into his fourth uh, volume now, which is just, you know, he's just finishing that off. So he's a dude and very approachable, a really nice guy. So I could recommend Jeffrey Kibby's work and his keys. He's done these really accessible keys if you really want to get somewhere and not necessarily ready for microscopes. That can help. Roger Phillips, who you've had on Red Glasses, Roger Phillips is a stalwart for everybody and all mushroom fans when they start out. His his mushrooms book is a is a cracker because it's just again accessible talks about edibility if that's the thing for for some people which it often is of course different shots with his books Rod Phillips is a dude yeah and, and I suppose the list goes on Liz Holden deserves a mention so not active on social media I don't know if you'd find it necessarily but she she's amazing because she was the person I love this woman she gave all see I'm, I'm a big fan of common names and that could be a bothersome and I understand that to traditionalists I say I understand it I do understand why. It doesn't work for some people. I get it. But for me, again, it's all about accessibility. If something's got a fun name, yeah. you're far more likely to remember it. Then later you can learn the Latin and whatnot. So she right. was given the task, maybe with a group, I don't want to do any disservice, of naming, of, of coming up with the common names for fungi in this country. So she came up with brittle gills and milk caps. It's her that did that. And she tried to put together a, a criteria list of you know, being authentic to the colours and the textures and the humour, a little bit of humour in there. So she did an amazing job, and she's a, a wonderful, still active mycologist. In fact, i tell you what, I did do something for UK Fungus Day, something, if I was honest, I'm quite proud of that I did, at least in my short time at the BMS. Five minutes of fungi. And if you go to the BMS website or UK Fungus Day website, either one of those two, I can't remember which, they both might lead you there. I thought, again, like a a bite-sized version of Heroes during lockdown, All these guys could send me just five minutes of footage. Just tell us a little bit about them. It could be one area of fungi they love or why they love fungi. I just thought people might like to hear that. And so some of these big names got in touch, which was wonderful. Lin Boddy did it. You've had Professor Lin Boddy on. So Lin Boddy and Liz Holden. Andy Overall is another great name, and he leads forays. He's based down in London. He's head of the London Fungus Group, and he's a character. So, yeah, Professor Martin Beditendo, Brian Douglas, who did our lost and found project that's something you'd enjoy a citizen science project for five years, it's just finished. I'm trying to uh, just see how rare our 100 most rare fungi are. So, I'll, all these guys did five minutes, and uh, I'm going to continue that. Uh, that's something I can try and find some time. I'm, um, I'm in the process of healing it out to the next set of people who I think would would, it would be lovely for you know the UK to hear from a little five minutes of what fungi means to these people. So, yeah, I've got a few more people on my hit list to, to do that. So, yeah, there's some of the big names for me. I must mention, um, I'm sorry, I should mention as well, Irene Ridge, who's, who's been the chair of the Northwest Fungus Group uh, and from day one took me under a wing, was really patient with me, all my questions and everything. And, and she's just been wonderful. I did, I did that episode, the first episode of My Co-Heroes, even that in herself, you know, she was a guinea pig for me and she was just wonderful and so modest and so knowledgeable. Yeah, she, she's a great inspiration.
1: And I know there's probably so many, I love how you put it, kind of unsung folks who don't use social media that really deserve to be showcased. And I feel like you might feel this as well. But part of the reason I even started doing a show was I felt an impetus or like a moral obligation to share those people's information because that's where any little bits and bobs of knowledge I have are really coming from folks like that. Mm-hmm. And so when people give me some kind of feedback on the internet, and I'm thinking, man, you really need to go... Back to the source, or I need to showcase this person. I have this obligation now to turn you on to these amazing people who you might not get exposed to. So I love that you're doing that. And the five minute idea is perfect. It's a bite-sized snapshot of who all these amazing people are, it gives people that window to then dive into their work once they hear their story. Mm-hmm. Fantastic project, man. I'm glad you I'm glad we took the time to mention that.
0: Ah, uh, thank you. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. And, and the big one, of course, you know, a logistic five minutes feels achievable. I'm not asking too much of somebody's time. These are busy people. I thought, if yes, just sitting in front of the camera for five on the phone—that's achievable, isn't it? So we got there.
1: <laughs> and you're not asking too much from the listeners, too. I, I know sometimes chewing an hour, hour and a half, two-hour interview can be can be a big ask, but five minutes is something that everyone can enjoy and get something out of. That's fantastic. And, you know, my next question that I like to ask my guests, we may have already answered it, but if you want to do another brief summary, what has this relationship with fungi and with, for you, it sounds like wild mushrooms really in particular, what has that relationship given to you? You know, this can be something they've taught you, different perspectives, new understandings. What is that relationship given to you?
0: Oh, oh it's good, isn't it? That It's so hard to put, you know, like you say, I probably would be repeating myself, but well-being is a big one. And the fact that that's achievable for anyone, and that's why we want to spread this word. I know there's so much more to it than that. And you've covered that with some of your other guests, of course, all the different avenues that, that Fungi can take you down. But for me, just what it can bring enrichment, you know, an enrichment to your life. And like I said, just that moment, I just see a little ink cap, you know, just walking from the bus stop to my school or whatever. It's like, ah, hello, you. And it's like, ah, isn't that great? And I'll take that in and I'll show you the ink and what you can do with it. And, and suddenly, you know, it's a highlight to your day and these things are achievable. I'm a big one for things being achievable so that and accessibility we've talked about. So yeah, it's enrichment, it's being, and because they're engaging, they bring that for me. You know, I need to be engaged in things. Me, I'm very, like I said, a very distracted person, really flitty in life and in, in my mind's all over the shop. But um, these guys just bring me so much joy and yeah, I wish I wish it was a, a broader answer. I feel like it was about me a bit too much. That I would like to have said more about others, but I suppose you're asking what it's brought me, and that, that's what it is. It's well-being is what what it's brought me, and an engagement with my natural world. I must say that. Sorry, yeah, that's a big part of it because the knock-ons. I mentioned it, but the knock-ons. Those are big words. The knock-on effects. I'm sorry, you might have wanted a short bite-sized answer. I'm giving you a bigger one now.
1: It's a question designed for a big answer. If you want to go deep, that's perfect.
0: It it is then, because I'm not a very deep person, as I'm sure you've gathered by now, but the knock-on effects, (laughs) the knock-ons, you know, like I said, I'm out walking in the woods trying to find something, suddenly I understand what woodlands to be in if I'm not, you know, I talked about accessibility. I didn't mention that for all the urban fungi are wonderful, and that's all that matters. You know, a good old woodland or an ancient woodland, better. You know, is an optimal space to put yourself in. I do need to mention that I know that, <laughs> and that it is. There's nothing beats walking in one sometimes, but you knowing the right type of woodland and just the pockets to go into. So that means that it's on my radar, and of course, that's that's mindfulness in itself. You know, observing, observing environments. So you've got a mindfulness thing going on. You've got an understanding, and that that raises your self esteem. Knowledge, knowledge is power, and knowledge is and power in, isn't it? You know, and that's what I'm trying to share with the kids, this, this an excitement for, for life and share also with my friends and share also with strangers. You know, look, look at this. Look, we should, what we should engage with. Look how happy it can make you. But that or knowing what something is, all that not knowing, like, ah, I've got a question to ask you. I'll find that out by the end of the day. It'll be great if I can do that. Those knock-ons, so finding out what the trees are, what's in the tree, what that smell is. You know, why does that do that? Questions again, I suppose. Joining the dots, as a friend of mine puts it well. Joining the dots that that sense of self that you get from understanding your place in it, all the how small we are and how important these things are. Admiration. God Nate, I've said a lot of words there, haven't I? Hopefully maybe just one of them hits the mark.
1: Well that's what's beautiful is I think they are all applicable to that relationship with fungi. And I love the series of words and just to put them together in a different order, it's an accessible and engaging road to mindfulness, fulfillment, and connectedness with nature. Ta-da! Beautiful. I think, I think you just said that wonderfully. And I think so many people can find all those elements permeating their own life when they start developing this relationship. And then the final question, and this is something that we're going to use imagination, we're going to get creative, but looking on in the coming decades as, especially as the Western world, you know, the Eastern world is a lot richer in terms of their relationship with fungi at this point, but as the Western world kind of catches up, discovers these organisms, our culture embraces them more and more and more. What is kind of your highest aspiration for the benefits we're going to see? You know, how is society going to change for the better in the next coming decades as we get more intimately familiar with fungi and they start pervading our life more and more?
0: Gosh, yeah, another good one. You do do good questions. I just don't know if I do good answers. Well, ultimately, it's it's uh, it's it's a care for yourself and a, and and, a, and a, a care for our planet, an admiration for our planet because of just the implications that if we don't, what will go wrong and the implications of just understanding just how important fungi are. If people start to catch on to that, which they are doing, of course, and in whatever form that might be, whether it's a source of income, food and nutrition, medicinally, of course, remedial work, You know, we know that the implications are enormous. And I just think going forwards, the, the, the more it's on everyone's radar, the more respect we'll have for them. And for our environment, and if you've got a respect for environment, you're going to get people engaging with it more, and you're going to get more happier people, surely, for that, aren't you? If if you're engaging, you know, back to that, if you're engaging in the environment, awareness, it's it's enormous. So, I'm sorry, it's a little bit of a wishy-washy, wafty answer that, but I I can't help but that, you know, there's the bigger answers and far more specific ones that will mention infrastructures and, you know, and I've got those answers, I'm sorry. I just think that if you're engaged with the environment because you start to care, if you care, then, wow, what the implications of that is. Imagine if everybody cared what this world would look like and this is in the age of social media Hopefully we're getting there, aren't we? You know, the messages are out there and suddenly I've been asked to do a pesticide thing and I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, and it is changing. The pesticides are being used less here. They're not being used in my borough in parks and schools anymore. I'm sad that they are used anywhere else, but at least it's a start, isn't it? And if we can only go in that direction, look at what a world might live in. And that's very exciting thought that if people ultimately engage with fungi and then their environment, that's gonna be a good thing for everybody.
1: And fungi just seem to be this, amazing locust for people to gather around and start to develop all those relationships and greater awarenesses. And I kind of thought you might go the route of saying, I hope we are all walking around, you know, with giant mushroom hats on going into mycelium buildings.
0: Yeah, I can say that. Yeah, yeah. I
1: I was thinking with Ali, he might be ready for everyone to just become part of the cult of the mushroom. And that will be our new reality. But I think your answer was actually a lot more grounded. And Really potent and really hopeful.
0: I'm just told you I'm creating my arm and they came up with the most grounded answer possible. What a letdown. That just about (laughs) sums it up. Fizzled out. Fizzled out at the end there. (laughs)
1: Well, I love how humble you are and self-deprecating, but really, Allie, thank you so much for coming on the show and leaving us with some really insightful answers, some really beautiful takeaways. I knew you as someone who made me laugh and loved mushrooms, and like I said, had that authentic joy. But then to hear this side of you that's about balance and all these great insights about well-being and engaging with modern society, I mean, it's just been a joy to have a chance to sit down and talk with you. So thank you so much for joining us on The Mushroom Hour.
0: It's been absolutely lovely. I've been nervous as anything, terrified all week, and I really enjoyed myself. So, thank you. You do a great job of oh, making me feel comfortable enough to just splurge out that long. So, thanks, Darren. It's been fabulous. Really, really fabulous. Thank week, you. Now, you're going me. Now, I get my thrills from cats and gills. It's time so, so stale. Your smuts and rust and your creepy crusts kinda freak me out. I don't understand that blob in your hand, you need a microscope to see.